Hey there, it's Lisa. Welcome back to the Wild Hot Diaries. I'm so glad you're here. Today you've joined me for an episode where we're going to be talking about breaking the cycle of generational trauma. So this is the final episode in the series that we've done on your toxic puddle. We've talked about what your toxic puddle is. We've talked about our mental and emotional energy that's in the toxic puddle. We've talked about... um, decluttering our space because our homes hold the energy that adds to the toxic puddle and last time we talked about toxic relationships because we become like the people that we spend time with and today we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about our ancestors we're going to be going back through the lineage of our families to see what gets passed on that isn't healed and again it's it is like an energetic an energetic thing but before we do let's see how you're all doing how are you all did you bring your diaries today or your journals if you're journaling along with me I will have some journal prompts for you which I hope you'll find helpful Um, it's Sunday here in the UK it's May when I'm recording this episode it's a beautiful day actually and I I went out this morning and met my friend for brunch we went to a really nice um, vegan uh, cafe had tea and I had sourdough with poached eggs and avocado and smoked salmon. That was so nice. I had a really nice catch up with my friend. And then we went to the garden centre. It's getting old now. That's what we do on a Sunday. Um, I don't have a garden because I live in a flat, but she has a garden and she loves to um, grow vegetables. And um, so we went along and I bought myself a... What do you call it? One of those aromatherapy mist makers. I don't know what you call them, but you drop essential oils and water in them and you plug them into a USB point and they chuff out. They waft out all these beautiful smells. And I chose two smells. I chose love and I chose forever. So the forever one is actually quite what I would call a musky kind of masculine scent. And the love one is more is softer and more not floral just sweeter and softer as you would imagine that energy to be so I'm sitting here with that on now wafting over me with my cup of tea (laughs) thinking about I'm waffling because I'm thinking about how I'm going to get around this episode mostly because I've already recorded it once and deleted it because there's so much to say and I don't want to overwhelm people with all of the detail but I want to I want to help you understand what generational trauma is so I thought it'd be I thought it'd be useful as well to use some examples of stories in the press or in the public eye that we can relate to. So anyone following the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case at the moment? I mean, I don't really think I know anyone who's not on the internet who isn't hearing about that. It's very sad and it's so compelling and I'm totally hooked on it. And I wish I wasn't because it's taken up a lot of my time. Um, But the reason I'm fascinated is because you can see that their trauma, their childhood trauma, they're playing out with each other because it's unhealed. So quick backstory. I think we all know who Johnny Depp is. Oh, can we just take a moment to appreciate how beautiful this man was back in the day? He was Edward Scissorhands. He was uh, the Mad Hatter. He was uh, Jack Sparrow, but he's quite an introverted um, 
creative soul, I would say, for an actor. And he had, I think he was the youngest of four. And he openly talks about his love-hate relationship with his mum, who he said was the cruelest person he had ever met. And for a child to say that about their mother is really damning because if you feel safe enough to say that to the world, then dial that up by a few thousand and then you'll get some idea of how cruel she really was. Apparently he would call her cockeye because he had sort of impaired vision in one eye and um she would throw things at them you know he said as she walked past we would all kind of duck and hunch ourselves over because we didn't know what she was going to do and he watched his mum abuse his dad and I think when he was about 15 he woke up one day to find that his dad had left and he went to get his dad back because his mum was so distraught um and his dad said you're the man of the house now I'm not coming back I can't do it anymore (sighs) which is just an awful position to put a 15 year old boy in awful and Johnny um was always asked to go and get his mum's nerve pills and so he was introduced to drugs at the age of I think he said 11 or 12 which is just oh it's just terrific so his mum was emotionally um, and physically abusive and then obviously to numb that pain I think I think he would lock himself away in his room he taught himself how to play the guitar you know as kids do they just create this rich inner world they go they go within a new well you either go within or you you act out and you try and take you know you, you try and stand up for yourself but obviously that's futile when you're a child because a parent has all the power so that's Johnny Depp and then I don't know much about Miss Amber Heard but I do know that she's 22 and Johnny is or or, or there's a significant age difference between them so Johnny's like I think he's nearly 60 now but when they met 10 years ago um, he would have been nearly nearly 50 she was in her early 20s which is the same age as his daughter actually or slightly older than his daughter perhaps but not by much I don't think anyway her dad was a violent drunk. I don't know much about her mum. And so you can just see how he has married his mum and he is trying to change the ending of that story. But also what he did was he was, so the mother of his children, he left to be with Amber, apparently. So he did exactly what his dad did to him so even around about the same age which you may think is spooky but it isn't um and then amber is trying to fix her alcoholic father so johnny depp is known for having like really serious addictions with cocaine alcohol and various other drugs uh ecstasy pills i think and um xanax you know all the usual all the usual and i think he was he came off he fought a battle with opiates and he's clean from opiates now but oh marijuana obviously anyway so she's trying to fix or heal her 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 dad in him and and i don't know if any of you know anything about addiction but really you can't you know a child would think 
to a parent, why don't you love me enough? Why don't you love me enough to um, st- stop drinking, stop using, stop whatever they're doing? Why Why is my love not enough? Um, and that's the inner child in her that's that's trying to do that. But, but really it isn't about that at all because addicts have to reach their rock bottom. You know, Pain is what m- motivates people to change and they need to hit their rock bottom before they will heal. And for some addicts, unfortunately, that's death. And I mean, I mean, some addicts, you know, high functioning ones that are just topping up their alcohol levels will eventually start to black out because, you know, they've got alcohol running through their veins. And so their body will start to shut down. Um, It's very, very sad. And 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 if you go back to my first episode where I talked about starting all over again and I talked about, um, you know, not being able to help parents who weren't who were in denial about what they the situations they were in and they were projecting their stuff onto their kids or handing it over to their kids. Again, that's how that gets passed on. They're, they're in denial about it or it's buried deeply inside of them. And so the pain, unhealed pain, unhealed trauma gets passed on. And trauma creates disconnection with ourselves, with inside of ourselves fragments our psyche and then it also then creates disconnection with other others and um another example i can think of is 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 peaches Geldof and um paula yates so i actually wrote a blog post about this let me just see if i can bring that up because i see generational trauma as another energy that goes in that toxic puddle and unhealed we are all sitting in that energy so it has an impact on you and given that it's the energy of disconnection and of pain and of grief and of shame and of guilt and of all the really icky deep horrible stuff um you're gonna catch it in fact i don't know where i read this i read it somewhere that when soldiers come back from war and they have ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder because of what they've witnessed or experienced so you know seeing your friends your peers being blown up or you yourself experiencing near death is traumatic um anything that threatens your safety really and um is traumatic and obviously different people will respond to that in different ways and then if you're a child and your safety is continually threatened and you don't ever feel safe then we call that a complex trauma because there are layers of it and it goes on over a period of time where you feel like you can't escape obviously you can't escape because they're your parents you're living um in it in it but um yeah so in this in this blog post that i wrote let me just see if i can bring it up one second hold the line caller I I said as creatures of habit when it comes to your family does history always repeat itself and um, I talk about going for a walk with my friend and how we talked about the the news of Peaches Geldof so Peaches Geldof was the daughter of Paula Yates and um, Bob Geldof and um, Paula Yates died of a heroin overdose and so did her daughter some years later same with Whitney Houston and her daughter Bobby died in very similar circumstances if you look it up and you think how can that be because you're thinking to yourself 
if you've watched a parent go through that and it's caused you incredible heartache, how can you then, like common sense prevailing, if you've seen a parent get fucked up on heroin, are you really going to touch the stuff? Well, yes, this is how it works, you see. Oh, going back to the, sorry, I completely didn't finish my thought cycle i'm looping all over the place because there's so much i want to say and i haven't got any notes today i'm just riffing with my cup of tea and my essential oils wafting under my nose (laughs) but um when soldiers come back from from war um the whole family is treated for ptsd because um living with someone who has ptsd it's contagious so it's like that energy that's what i was sorry to finish off that thought that that's that's what it's like um and obviously, as you know, I've got complex post-traumatic stress disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder. And so I would imagine that other members of my family have it too. Um, not that that's ever been investigated because um, nobody wants to look at that apart from me. So, yeah. So I'm in this blog post, I'm talking about meeting my friend and we're talking about Peaches Geldof and you know that they called her a wild child party girl who turned her life around since finding herself through motherhood and she captured her home life of her kids on instagram for the world to see and she also put herself up as the face of like what we call connection parenting conscious parenting which is parenting through attachment it's my favorite style of parenting um i think if you've got trauma in your family it's the only way to go really because it because the safety comes from having secure attachment, the connection with the mother and child. And from that safety is where healing can happen. I, I don't think it can happen otherwise, personally speaking. Um, but Peaches Geldof was quoted saying, after years of struggling to know myself and feeling lost at sea and rudderless and troubled, having babies um, through which to correct the multiple mistakes of my own traumatic childhood was was beyond healing and I felt finally anchored in place with lives that literally depend on me and I'm not about to let them down not for anyone or anything and then apparently she was um taking heroin on the quiet on the QT and nobody knew about it and then obviously she'd been then I think she went into a recovery which is what normally happens and then they start using again and then obviously they they overdose um so she left behind two sons at the time one of them was 21 20 months old and the younger one was 10 months old and and now um without their beloved mother at the tender age of 11 which was the age that her mother also died of a heroin overdose like you couldn't make the shit up could you but so whatever you've got in your toxic puddle which is why I'm asking you to look at it And that's why I've started off with the other things like thoughts and emotions and relationships, because maybe they're easier to spot. But this stuff, you might not know what runs in your lineage. Like, I don't know how far you can go back down your family line, but you might want to in your journal, just scribble some kind of family tree or think about what's on both sides of the family. So, you know, what what do you know to be true? Were there abortions? Were there lost babies? Were there... Um, was there adoption was there um, alcoholism and addiction was there um, divorce was there abuse was there um, 
what else could there be? Mental mental health issues. I'm thinking sort of personality disorders or schizophrenia or um you know what what is there a history of postnatal depression in women depression anxiety um because you, you you often hear people say don't you oh my daughter's like me she's highly anxious um but if that parent worked on their anxiety or, or went to therapy for their anxiety and learnt how to regulate themselves then that child wouldn't be highly anxious or there will be less of a chance of that child being anxious because um you know that they parents are there to co-regulate with the children you can't expect a child to regulate their emotions if you're if you don't know how to do it yourself can you oh, i don't i don't think i think that's crazy um and so I go on in this article to talk about how um life is cyclical and how you know these things get passed on and what I see in my work with or have seen in my work with families is and Johnny Depp actually said this when he was interviewed he said do you think do you think that as you watch your children grow up you're having some insight into what your parents had to deal with when they were raising you and he said no because I've done the complete to what my parents have done you see and that creates a whole new set of problems what I see is if you if you were raised with tyrannical boundary breaking aggressive abusive overly controlling strict so what we would call um authoritarian parents then you swing too far the other way then you become a permissive parent and then you create a whole new set of problems and these are parents who are trying to be friends with their children who aren't setting any boundaries who are letting their children make decision adult decisions they shouldn't have to make and they're they're giving children all the power which is dangerous and children's immature brains are not equipped to deal with that kind of power and um that creates a so somewhere between authoritarian and permissive parenting is the sweet spot which i believe is this conscious parenting this connection parenting that i've talked about already on here today now if you're interested in learning about connection parenting i've written hundreds of blogs about it so go to smileyforlife.com forward slash blog but my guru for for connection parenting is dr laura markham who's website is called ahaparenting.com i shall drop a link to it in the show notes for you so of course of course what parents do is say i'm not going to do that because my dad did that and it made me feel like that or my mum was this way and it made me feel like that but by but instead of trying not to be like them you're not actually being yourself does that make sense so instead of trying not to be like them Go and explore what parenting looks like for you (laughs) and how you connect and relate to the outside world and understand how your parenting experiences shaped you. Understand them because this is not about blame. We're not saying parents are bad. We're saying I want to understand so that then I can take responsibility for my life and I can bring all that into my awareness because otherwise you're parenting from the unconscious. So it's all in the puddle. And the puddle's got all the power. Bring it up into the conscious mind and then you can deal with it. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy. I think raising a small person is probably one of the most amazing 
beautiful things in the world but it's also incredibly difficult I can't say because I've never raised any children I've only nannied other people's and been an auntie and I see it as a great privilege really and um but I also see many people having children to fill up holes in themselves you 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 know like the their wounded inner child says if I have this baby then um, I will always have this endless supply of love and therefore I will feel okay. All people have babies of what we call band-aid babies, sticking plasters, to try and repair a relationship. And remember, when we talked about the toxic puddle in the beginning, the children sit in the energy of between the two parents. So the puddle, they, you're bringing two puddles together effectively then. So going back to Johnny and Amber, I mean, thank fuck they didn't have children because, well, it just would have been so messy. It was very volatile, their relationship, and um, very drug and alcohol fueled, which always makes for high drama and um, chaos. But I do think that if you come from an abusive um household then you drama and chaos feels like home to you so you sniff it out really (laughs) not consciously (laughs) but you do you 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 drawn to people like that and maybe someone who isn't high drama and is quite secure in their own skin and and consistent would feel boring to you I don't know that's something for you to journal on maybe think about if you're married or even if you're not married think about your past relationships and think about when you were younger what types of people you were drawn to and 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 then what you're drawn to now but I also think your values and your priorities change as you get older but going back to the generational trauma um I think I think it's I think it's important to understand that um this stuff does get passed on whether we want it to or not. And one of the ways which we can um, work on our generational trauma, and I've I've been to a couple of these, is something which is called constellations therapy. So constellations therapy is like going to a workshop with a group of people. You stand up and you give a brief kind of synopsis or summary of, of a pattern, a pattern or... or um, yeah, or, or or something traumatic that runs in your family lineage. You can only pick one thing. God, I had so many to pick when I went there. I was like, oh, bloody hell, I don't really know which one to bring in. And um, then the facilitator then picks various people in the group to represent all of the lineage. So they'll have like someone who represents you as a child, someone that represents you as a teen, someone that represents you now then they'll have someone that represents your mum her mum her mum your dad his dad his dad and then she will take each person and place them in uh, is kind of like a circle so in a space you become the observer you're not in the constellation but then you end up playing another role of someone else so at the time I went when I did my constellation I observed what had gone on in the female lineage in my family. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, actually, because I've got another blog post to bring into this episode. Um, but then when I <laughs> was in someone else's constellation, I played the role of a, of an addict. And at the time, I just finished dating an addict. 
And so I got real insight into how it felt to be in that much pain and be self-medicating and using and being numbed out. And it's the weirdest thing. So you go on about the toxic puddle and energy, but each person without knowing the person that they are, they've been told that they are, takes on the energy of that person. So if I can give an example, the person who played the role of my mum's mum went right to the edge of the circle and turned her back on all the people. Then she put the hood up on her hoodie and then she just sat on the floor with her head down and like sort of like she didn't want to look at anything. She didn't want to see anything. So obviously that's denial. And then the facilitator will get everyone to like act out their energy and then she'll start to move the people around. So she's like, what if I bring, so what she did was she bought little me as a child closer to the person that was playing the role of my mum and then watched what the two people did. So, you know, she'd just say, go and stand closer to the mum right, how are you feeling now? And then they play out that energy and then she would bring the teen closer. And so I'm observing all this. So I'm watching all of this and um, it's just, oh, it's just so powerful. And actually it does shift energy because it shifts energy in you, shifts your perception. Like I had more compassion for the people that had gone before me, but equally I felt so much anger and confusion and sadness and um I just felt all the feelings towards my mum watching her treat me the way that she did <laughs> but obviously it wasn't me I was watching someone else play those parts because when you're in when you're in when you're traumatized as a child you're disconnected from those fragmented parts of yourself that you've had to split off in order to survive so you you can't connect to them and that I mean, sometimes that is partly to keep you safe. I don't really want to remember all the times that I was pummeled over the head or walloped and, and in pain. And Joe, you know I sometimes think that taking a physical punishment is actually, uh, it sounds weird. It's easier because, you know, just take, you just take it. You pop out of your body when you're a, p a small person. You pop out of your body. So you disassociate, you take the pain, you get sent to your room. It's all finished. The gaslighting you know, the fucking with your mind, the lying, the emotional and psychological abuse, I found a lot harder to deal with. But is that because I'm a wild heart and I'm deeply sensitive and I'm wired to experience the world through my heart in such a way that that caused me the most pain? I'm not saying I'm not a sadist. I don't want people to physically hurt me, but I hope you get what I'm saying. Um. The other thing, so that's constellations therapy. So you, you, you might want to um, research that. There's a few people that specialize in it. I, I respect more people do, but this is quite a long time ago. And um, if you've got the courage to go and do that in a group, and it's good to do it with a group of people that you don't know, and then you become different people in other people's constellations, and they are relevant to your constellation because becoming an addict, I then became my granddad. So, so yeah, it's, it's just so powerful and um, gives you a different perspective on your, your lineage, which your lineage, you may not like your lineage, you may not like what's gone before you, but those people that went before you paved the way from where you are now and they did make you and their energy runs in you. You know, whether, you, whether I like it or not, my mum and dad's energy is in me. 
because they made me. I was made from their energy. The other thing that I do with my therapist that I find really powerful, which is also almost like doing a mini constellation. And this is work that um, uh, lots of therapists do with children, but I do it as an adult. So it brings out my inner child is sand tray therapy. So you have an empty sand tray and the therapist will have lots and lots of different things like ribbons and stuffed toys and dolls and animals and fences and trees and shells and you know like it's it's, and you start talking about something and then you create the story in the sand and then what happens is like you do with the constellations instead of moving the people around and getting them to act out the energies you move the objects around or the the people that the objects that the people represent around in the sand tray and actually I just did one on Friday with my therapist to look at something and my god it's just so powerful and I know when my inner child comes out because I just get so emotional and then I feel embarrassed afterwards because I feel ashamed because it's so vulnerable and you know my therapist is lovely she's like don't be silly it's good that you're emotional. She doesn't say don't be silly. She says don't apologise, is what she said. Don't apologise. Um, no, she would never say don't be silly. She said don't apologise. It's good that you're emotional. You know, I felt like you were really young there and that's something that you needed to express. And so whether you like it or not, you're carrying this shit. Because if your parents aren't looking at it, and I think this is why I used to get so irate with parents, <laughs> And I'm laughing because you know, because it's so frustrating. It's like, oh, my God, if you could just look at your puddle, then you wouldn't be sending your kids to me. And then obviously I wouldn't have a job or I, I wouldn't have had a job. But, um, you, you know, whatever the child is bringing to the session, you can I can see. Pretty much straight away because I've coached loads of kids like what is in the puddle or what needs to be addressed and you know if a parent isn't owning their shit they're projecting it onto their child so then the child grows up believing that they are something else so 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 you know uh, what I learned from my sand tray therapy on Friday was is that I grew up believing I was this really angry hostile difficult child and I carried the shame of that thinking how terrible I was like how utterly terrible I was and how I would drive people away with my awfulness and then when we did the sand tray I just saw that actually I'm 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 not that child I'm I'm I don't want to fight with people but my mum would antagonize me because she wanted the conflict you know I talk about those high conflict personalities and in the sand tray, I, I represented this tiny little gold angel. And I there was all this stuff that was going on in my family in the main part of the sand tray. And then I'd put myself in the corner and I'd barricaded myself in with two great big stones. One of them was really spiky and the other one was really soft, but they were both like 10 times the size of me. And so, you know, because I had no boundaries as a child, did I? So I barricaded myself behind these stones in the sand tray. And I and I, I just realised what I was dealing with and I looked at it and I was just like, I, I didn't want the conflict. I actually was trying to speak up to make peace. And I wanted to get to the heart of the matter. I wanted to tell the truth. So here's some journal prompts for you. 
were you the truth teller in your family? Did you see things that other members of your family couldn't, wouldn't, didn't want to look at? And did you get shamed or made wrong for for doing for telling the truth and do you have parts are there parts of you or things that you don't like about yourself or things that you've been told about yourself I wonder if you examine those maybe with your therapist maybe through journaling is that really me? Is that who I am? Am I angry and hostile? And I, I think when you're in an abusive environment and someone's poking the bloody bear all the time and and is attacking you constantly, even the most patient, peaceful people are going to go on the defensive or attack at some point, are they not? What are their choices? I don't know. It's worth It's worth thinking about Just think about the things that or maybe look at the things in other people that you don't like. There you go, because it will be a mirror. So, you know, oh, God, that person, they're always talking, you know, they're so loud and embarrassing. But did someone tell you that you were loud and embarrassing? And now you've locked that part of you away, thinking that that's a terrible, shameful thing to have. When actually you're probably just a really friendly, chatty person. And you say things, you were saying things in your family that was making people feel uncomfortable because they didn't want to look at the toxic puddle do you see what I mean I mean I mean I mean I think I think if you've got some level of self-awareness you're going to know what those things are they're the things that we want to hide they're the things that we know to be we think are true about ourselves but we think if other people were to see them in us or know them know that about us that we would feel so ashamed so so going on to the legacy of 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 uh, the toxic family, um, I just want to share with you another blog post and then I think I'm going to leave it there today because I think I've said enough. And I think really the main takeaway from this is that um, this energy lives on and it can go back generations. And I think what we call the cycle breaker, which is what I think most world hurts are often the scapegoat, often the truth teller um, and often the most sensitive and kindest member of the family that's kind of acting like an emotional shock absorber that's like sucking up all the crap in the puddle that no one wants to look at. These are the children that I've worked with in the past and it's heartbreaking because they think that they are defected or wrong or bad in some way and obviously they're not. I mean, no one's wrong or bad. This is just how trauma plays out. But in dysfunctional families, someone needs to be the fool guy because someone is always right and someone is always wrong. Hmm. I'll leave you to guess who that is. So I wrote I wrote this blog post, Empowering Women to Transcend the Legacy of a Toxic Family. And um, I. I talk about how. um, my, my my passion is working with the kids, but the power is with the mother. And I say that I'm crystal clear that I love working with young people because they show me in their sweet ways a suppressed and hidden pain in their families. Sometimes I can reach the mother with gentle feedback, but often I can't. And I send the child back after coaching without changing the home environment. And that's what's in real need of attention. And yet it's not the catalyst that brings the child to coaching. And do you remember in previous episodes where I talked about ADHD and that there's an overlap between ADHD and trauma 
And um, I saw someone posting on Instagram the other day about saying that, that, that you know, ADHD was linked into generational trauma and the parents in the comments were going nuts and they were saying, you're blaming parents. Don't you think we've tried everything with our kids? And the dude who wrote the post just said, no, I'm not blaming anyone. The definition of blame is saying that someone's at fault. I'm not saying someone's at fault. I'm saying someone is responsible and it's the parent. So if you're if you're hero, if you're feeling shame or guilt because of what I've written, instead of attacking me for writing the truth because he he put peer-reviewed papers and research to back up his claims then I suggest you work on your guilt and shame it's brutal but it's it's the truth right and why would you not as a parent who loved a child not want to take ownership of that because it's pressing your shame and guilt buttons isn't it that happened on my Facebook page recently as well, but that's a story for another day. So I've put, um, I put, it, it frustrates me, it feels incomplete and the cycle continues. Getting to the root cause instead of papering over the craps, cracks, craps, oh, there you go. Well, it's a big load of crap in that toxic puddle, isn't it, quite frankly. Um, I was sitting after my coaching session, further contemplating mothering, and I observed that I had become angry and animated, not just because the mother wound runs through my family. I have a very difficult relationship with my mother and she sadly never properly knew her own mother. But I'm angry for all the women who feel this pain and I don't think I'm alone in that. It shouldn't be taboo to talk honestly about mothers in that way. We carry their shame and they carry the shame of their parents. The buck stops where? Honour thy mother and father. Deeply traumatised by my childhood, my strong thirst for knowledge and my desire to learn, I was led down another path that made me want to smash the generational mother wounds in my family to pieces. Wow, I was truly angry and that's really no way to treat yourself when you're hurting. I didn't have children so that in itself wouldn't allow the shit show to continue. I honoured all my ancestors and thanked them for getting me this far. Then I said, right, I'm getting off here. And I trundled to therapy in search of my powerful self. At the time, I didn't realise how lost I was or indeed that it was myself I was searching for. You don't need fixing. You aren't broken. You just haven't met yourself fully yet. What are you searching for? There you go. There's a journal prompt for you. What are you searching for on this journey, on this wild heart adventure, on this healing path? What is it do you think that you're searching for? My therapist would frequently ask me this question and I would shrug and say something like, I don't know, but I feel like something is missing. I am wrong and I need to make it right. That's the voice of shame right there. Sadly, my mother or father didn't choose to follow me to this new world where women are sensitive, strong, empowered leaders. There's nothing I would like more than for my mother to step into her power too. I sometimes think when we're too afraid, too defended, too committed to being right and shamed of our true selves, we do not have the humility to go within. Forever hopeful, I hold a light and trust that one day she will find the strength within to step out of her darkness. But I continue to honour my own path and she may never do that in this lifetime. And yet I cannot sacrifice who I am or betray myself for her. Love doesn't make you choose. It does take strength. The strength of a woman is vulnerability. Because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. Vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. Truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they are never weaknesses. That is Brené Brown saying that. 
If you haven't investigated Brené Brown, her her books such as The Gifts of Imperfection and um, Atlas of the Heart is her new book. And I can't think of the other one. Escapes my mind at the moment. But check her out. She's She is a shame researcher. She has done loads of research on shame. And um, she has two amazing TED Talks. Actually, I'll pop them in the show notes for you because they're just phenomenal. And um, she's such a great storyteller and she has a sense of humour. So she does it in a really good way. Um I wrongly believed that strength was physical and I and controlling until I found my power. I also wrongly assumed that if I stepped into my mothering power, I would destroy my children. That rage within my mother that I had violently felt and witnessed, I had it in me too and it terrified me. It rendered me small, afraid and helpless. I locked it away and pushed it down with food. Nice girls don't get mad. Power is bad and unkind. Stay kind, be good. So I settled for being perfect and good and if you're prone to doing the same thing you'll know that it's exhausting and impossible it's the ultimate self-betrayal and whilst you think it's much easier to be who you are how can you be her when you've never known who she really is she's covered in shame and armoring up her vulnerability at least anybody finds her weaknesses and exerts control over her that's how powerless she feels i can understand her plight and have self-compassion I hadn't been taught how to harness my inner power and use it wisely. I had no healthy blueprint for a good enough mother. I wasn't able to be vulnerable. All my defences were up. I was angry and hateful. My mum was angry and hateful too. And I understood why she had every right to be. However, I can still have compassion for the little girl inside of me that felt alone, angry and bad too. Because anger blocks vulnerability. Underneath it is so much grief. It's the deep pain of not having the love that you deserve, the family that you wanted and the mother that never was. It's incredibly painful. She never had that and so she couldn't give it to me. Hurt people do not hurt people. That's a myth. I was in pain and I chose a different path and you can too. I was a hurt person who was hurting myself, drinking, smoking too much, not eating properly, sometimes starving myself and other times stuffing myself full until I felt sick, betraying myself and shrinking myself to fit into relationships that were toxic, jobs that were not right for me and living a life where I came last. That said, it wasn't an easy path because when you're the one that accepts the challenge or is in so much pain you cannot go on, you're doing it for all the women in your family lineage. That's the bit I want you to hear. Like, kudos for you for being here and doing that because there's so many people before you that couldn't. But now the energy in the toxic puddle has gathered so much momentum that you have no other choice. You have no other choice. So um, I said, history repeats itself. What's your legacy? I continually talk about how when trauma goes untreated in families, it repeats the same pattern. That's the blog post that I just talked about before. So I'll link to that in the show notes. And in the case of the mother wound, relational trauma impacts how you see yourself, how you form relationships with others, how you express yourself and how you make sense of your place in the world. It's everything. And I think many women have repressed and suppressed rage, grief, due to society's false depiction of motherhood. And I personally find it so effing offensive. The myth that a mother is balanced in her feminine energy and yet can hold down a job, be a domesticated goddess, practice good self-care, be a wife, be a daughter, be a sister is bullshit. And no wonder we don't feel good enough. It's making us all feel like we have to be perfect. But life is messy. 
And then Brené Brown, quoting her again, she says, perfectionism is a self-destructive and addictive belief system that fuels this primary thought. If I look perfect and I do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of shame, judgment and blame. Shame is the most powerful master emotion. It's the fear that we are not good enough. Not all mothers are loving and kind. The myth hurt people, hurt people is also offensive to the daughters of mothers who have hurt them unintentionally or not because not all mothers are loving and that's a harsh reality to accept if you've been blessed with a kind mother. Some of us have mothers who physically hurt us, psychologically tortured us or who exerted control over us in a way that kept us afraid and small and some of us have mothers who were jealous and competed with us or who brutally criticised us and some of us have mothers who were ignoring and disregarded our needs. It was always about them. And that myth is also offensive to mothers who continually feel inadequate, guilty and ill-equipped on a daily basis. There is no mothering handbook, only those that have gone before us. Or if we are lucky enough, we may have some, some, one or one or more strong female role models growing up to plug the gaps. So role modelling is really important in this. And um, I always used to joke about having TV mums. So along the way, I've had several TV mums. I think Brené Brown would be a TV mum. Uh, Ruth Langsford was a was a do you remember Ruth Langsford who's married to Eamon Holmes she was my TV mum for a while (laughs) but it's what you feel energetically drawn to and it's probably the opposite of what you had and it's probably what you need um what does a good enough mother look like mothering doesn't come naturally to everybody and how do we know what that looks like if we haven't had a good enough role model or a mother who's physically present but emotionally absent in our life there are no perfect mothers and no perfect kids. There are no bad mothers and no bad kids. I say that because in spite of it all, I'm still quite protective over my mother. There are really only hurt people who long for love and acceptance. That's what a good enough mother would give them. A good enough mother knows herself well enough to see here and love her children just as they are. And I see so many mothers going to work on their kids' problems when more often than not, the problem their child has and that they are desperately trying to fix is something in them that is hurting and unacknowledged. And that is in the shadow. So that is in the unconscious and therefore it can't be seen. And that's why they're having such a strong emotional reaction to seeing whatever their child's going through as it's buried within them. So when we shine a light on the shadow, the hidden, and we accept it, it miraculously disappears in our kids what a gift but you tell people that and you think they want to look at it no because then they've got to look back behind them and see what that means for their relationship with their parents and then and and so it continues um powerful mothers lift their children up and cheerlead them on i believe it's truly a privilege to be a mother and to know your power as a woman when you are given such great power it's your responsibility to bring your child into the world not to have more than you but for them to become more than you were allowed to be their true authentic selves yeah so that's another thing i hear people saying i want to give my kids everything i didn't have well don't because that's your trauma that's your loss that's your stuff if you if you if you overcompensate, then you're probably traumatizing them in an, or could be traumatizing them in another way. Um, uh, kids can only do this if we like the way, and I know I'm on the right path. And then I and then I go on to talk about a problem that I had with my foot. 
So it's the synchronicities. I'm not going to get into today that today. I'll let you read the rest of the blog post. But um, basically, my foot started to hurt. And obviously, your feet are your root chakra. And that's like standing on solid ground. And I wasn't standing on any solid ground. And so my foot started to hurt. And then I was trying to work out what was going on and then one of my angels fell off of my bookshelf behind me and she smashed to the floor and both of her feet just cut off perfectly and I was left with an angel without any feet on because how can you walk forward and create a new path if you haven't got any sodding feet (laughs) so that that begun that begun another kind of thread another kind of exploration into who chopped off the women's feet in my lineage why were they not allowed to carve a different path? But I, but I also think their voices were stolen as well. <gasps> oh, should we leave it there? It's a good place to leave it. I think. Um, I, I, I think I've, I've talked a lot today about mothers, and I will reiterate the point. If you're a mother listening to this, I'm not trying to blame you. I don't want to make you wrong. There are no bad mothers. There are no bad children. There are no perfect mothers. There are no perfect children, remember. But if you listen to this and it brings up shame and guilt or you find yourself getting angry and defensive, I would invite you to explore that with a therapist, with a trauma therapist, because it would it would suggest that something in you feels that what I'm saying is deeply unfair and... Um, is pressing on pain that already exists inside of you. And all of this stuff is an opportunity for us to heal what is already inside of us. You know, go back to the toxic puddle and it's our responsibility to go back to that puddle and explore it and understand, understand, not blame others, understand what happened to us and how we got here. That's hard. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard, but it, but it, but it can be done. Um. So yeah, I'm going to leave it there. I hope that's helpful. Well, that was a long one today, wasn't it? There's so much more I could say about that. But as I say, get on over to the blog because through reading the blog posts about connection parenting and that's what we would call secure attachment. That's that's the healthy the good enough mother and the child relationship um you will you will learn a lot about that but even if you don't have your own children you can you can just look backwards at your relationship with your mother and maybe like me you're a little bit protective of your mum and you 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 part of you, you because you've got empathy because you're a wild heart you feel for her and you you're sad about what happened to her and you want to try and make it better but don't sacrifice who you are to make her better because she has to want to make her heal herself. And that is on her. That is on her. All right, lovely wild hearts. I'm going to go now. I will be back next time. Until then, stay wild. Choose love. So much love to you. Bye.